Uh, if you would turn your Bibles to uh, John chapter number 20. <coughs> Excuse me, John 20. <coughs> John 20. Let me just uh, pray one more time while you're getting there. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word together. Holy Spirit, ask that you would come and be our teacher. I know I'm standing up here. I know I've prepared, but um, ultimately you come and, and teach us. Give us understanding today, uh, much more than what is um, spoken from my mouth. But speak to us directly, Holy Spirit. Speak to all of our, our minds and our, our hearts that we might uh, not only um, hear these words, but let it change us, let it impact us, let it um, uh, give us a spark or, or, or a change of direction somehow. In Jesus' name, amen. It had been three days since their leader was killed. Think about it. Jesus, the leader of the disciples, there was a, a small band. Of course, his closest were the 12, now the 11. The 70, maybe a few more scattered here and there. Those that completely followed after Jesus. They hung on his every word. They followed in his steps. Many of them traveled with him all over the countryside. They, they ate the same meals together. They, they actually they slept together in, uh, as, as they camped out. They cooked their food. They, they went and they ministered together. They, they listened to his every word. They, they hung on the words that he said. When he said, blessed are the poor, they were there. They said, blessed are the meek, they were there. When he was at the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. They were there listening and watching. They saw a man who was actually dead and been dead for several days come out of the tomb. They were there at the Last Supper. They were there when Jesus was betrayed. Very few saw the trial. Even fewer saw him crucified. But they all knew that the one they followed, the one that they knew was going to be the king that would come and free Israel from Rome, the, the one that they knew was going to change everything, they knew he was gone. He was dead. The Jews worked in concert with the Romans to make sure that he was dead, gone, and buried. Sealed in a tomb. Would they be next? Put yourself in their shoes. Somebody who 
had followed after a person and walked with them. You were there with them every single day for the last three and a half years. You ministered. He sent you out and you did the exact same things that he did. You healed the sick. You, you cleansed the lepers. You gave the, the word of the kingdom. You, you saw demons come out at your very word. You had done the exact same thing. Would they be coming after you? Would you be next? Would you be on the hit list? What would you do? It had been three days. They locked themselves in. The 11 were, actually 10, were gathered together. It says that it had, been, it had been several days, but they were in a locked room. The doors were locked. They were gathered together at, at night. They had heard rumors. He's alive. Some ladies had actually seen him. He's alive. The stone was rolled away. He had appeared to them. He, he had said, I'm going to meet you later. And yet, for fear of their lives, they were locked away. All of a sudden, one who they had not let in walked into the room. Well, how would you react? Someone who you knew not only had died, but had really died. Someone you knew who not only, you know, they, they, they weren't just on a bed and you, you saw them breathe their last. They were killed, horrifically killed, and sealed up in a tomb for several days. And this person walks into the room where you're sitting and you're scared anyway. What would your reaction be? And you wonder why Jesus said, peace. Peace unto you. Yeah, I would need the peace. <laughs> See my hands and my feet? I am alive. And he said this to, to the ones gathered there. He said, just as I have been sent, I send you. Just as I have been sent, I send you. And then it said he breathed. He exhaled. They received the Holy Spirit. Thomas wasn't with them, though. Tom, when they told Thomas, we've seen the Lord, he said, I, I, unless I am able to see his hands and feet, unless I put, take my hand and I put my hands in those nail holes, I'm not going to believe. 
following week. They were gathered on the Lord's Day. It says eight days later. So they were gathered on the Lord's Day once again. You know, we get together on the Lord's Day. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus walked in each time we gathered? Exactly where I was going. He does. And he walks into and he says, Thomas. Uh oh. What did Jesus call you out? Come here. See these holes in my hands? Come and see. Feel them. Feel it. Put your hand in my side. And you have one of the, the greatest declarations in all of the New Testament where Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Where he recognizes Jesus. Jesus says, don't be any more unbelieving, but believe. My Lord and my God. And John ends this little section giving the purpose for his entire writing. He said, therefore, many other signs, verse 30, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Thomas saw the sign and believed. Others saw the signs and believed. This little section here is a precursor to Pentecost. Theologians often call this the Yohannine Pentecost. Um, it's a really fun word to say. It's John. John's version of Pentecost. And I believe what it is is you, you have this representation it's a theological representation of Pentecost. Not that it, 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 think it, it happened exactly how John put it down, okay? But oftentimes what you have Jesus do and what you have in the, in the Bible is a theological declaration, and then you end up with the manifestation later. Okay, that's what I believe you see happen here is, is Jesus performs an action parable, a prophetic action, and later you will see the manifestation. I believe what happens is John, for a theological purpose, because I believe this is on the, the first day, all right, the, this is when Jesus rose again, so it's the first day of the week, all right? Jesus is declaring it, it, by his, his actions here that it is a new day. It's a new time. Um, I, was, I was reading, I started my Bible reading over, this last week, and, and was reading again in, in Genesis one, where um, you know the first few verses, you've got the 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 creation is formless and void, and the Holy Spirit is right there. It's at the very beginning. The Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters, right? Jesus, the author of the new creation, was one of the first things he does when he gathers with his people. Receive the Holy Spirit. The new creation is manifested 
in the coming of the Holy Spirit. The new creation is manifested in the coming of the Holy Spirit. And on that first day of the week, I believe Jesus wanted to make sure the disciples were gathering that and saying, okay, the Holy Spirit is here to change everything. I've mentioned before, with Pentecost, everything changed. With Pentecost, everything changed. But what does that everything change mean for us? What does that everything change mean for you? If everything changed at Pentecost, what does that look like in our lives? In the disciples' lives, of course, they, they went from being a, a small band of, of people that uh, were fearing for their lives. And I don't blame them. To a group that would stand up in front of a huge crowd and all of a sudden declare, yes, Jesus is the king. Yes, he rose from the dead. You guys are the ones that did it. Now, you better follow him or else he's coming for you. To go from being locked up, shut up, in a room, fearing for their lives, to standing up on the day of Pentecost where there's thousands and thousands of people pouring into Jerusalem and saying, you guys are the one that crucified him. Now give your lives to him. That's a change. That is an enormous change. A change of heart, a change of attitude, a change of spirit, a change of boldness, a change of strength. What about you? What about us? So what is the what does Pentecost mean for us? Um, first I want I want you to see that we are a, a heavenly people. We are a heavenly people. Um In, uh, in, verse, in verse 21, it says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I'm going to stay on that for just a minute. I'm going to flip over here to another verse real quickly. Uh, in chapter 15, Verse 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Okay, Jesus had just told the disciples, they are not of the world. They are no longer of the world. Okay, Let's let that sink in just a little bit. Where, where did Jesus come from? Where? Heaven. Thank you. Was Jesus of the world? No. He was... Um, who, who sent... We just read it. Who sent Jesus? God the Father. God the Father in heaven 
sent Jesus to the earth, right, to, to live that perfect life, to show others the way, to point them in the right direction, to do signs and wonders and miracles, to declare the kingdom of God, to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin, ultimately to die, be buried, to rise again, and to continue that work. He continued the work. But what he did was he made a way so that it wouldn't just be him. Now, let me take one step back. Where, 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 did, where did Jesus come from again? Heaven, heaven right? Who sent him from heaven? Amen. God the Father. Now, we just read in John, in, in chapter 15, what, where, where are we? We're not of the world anymore, right? We are a heavenly people. So think about this. We are a heavenly people. Jesus was a heavenly being before he was sent to earth. We are now a heavenly people, and we have to be sent. And even as, just as, okay, just as the Father sent me, Jesus says, I send you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. See, you have the same commission as Jesus. You have the same commission as Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna let me take I need to take a theological step back here real quickly. You will never be the incarnate son or daughter of God. Okay? There's only one of those. There's only one only begotten son. All right? That's Jesus. You're, you're never going to be God. All right? Let's get, make sure that gets straight. Let's, we all good with that? Okay. All right. Let me step back in here. Having said that, you have the same commission as Jesus. Even as I have been sent, I send you. to do the exact same thing. You know, when you, um, anybody like kind of sci-fi type movies? Good, I'm glad I'm not the only one. It seems, doesn't it seem like anytime it's a sci-fi type thing, um, if, if there's somebody from another planet, they always have like superpowers of some, of some sort, right? Even it, it, whether it is, um, you know, Spock, you know, from Vulcan, you know, who, who's very, very intelligent, or Superman, right? Everybody knows Superman, right? He comes from where? Krypton. He gets to the Earth, and all of a sudden, Superman, right? What, he has all kinds of these different powers that he would not have if he was on his own home planet. Right? Superman can fly. He's the man of steel. He leaps tall buildings as a single bound. Right? He has this x-ray vision. Right? Jesus is a heavenly being sent to the earth 
not to say Jesus and Superman are equal, but Jesus comes to the earth and be, being a heavenly being, he is not bound by earthly... Um, we have laws, right? Law, physical, natural laws, like the law of gravity. Right? We, we have you know, things that, like, uh, things do not... Things are not either created or destroyed, or destroyed, right? They just change shape, right? That's energy, right, Newton? So you 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 cannot you cannot take something and not have anything there, and all of a sudden you have something there. That's that's the physical laws of the earth of the universe. Jesus was not bound by the physical laws. Jesus was not bound by the law of gravity. Jesus was not bound by somebody not being able to stretch out their hand or somebody being dead and not being able to breathe any longer. Jesus was not bound by these physical laws because he was above them. He was of heavenly origin. I read, I read somewhere, um, uh, they, they, they described God, you know, the physical laws this way. is God is so intricately involved in his creation that the physical, natural laws are the way that he normally operates. They just say that that's how God does what how God does things normally, because he's that involved with creation. But when he wants to, he can switch things up. <laughs> right? Think about this. Jesus was not bound by the physical laws because he was from heaven. But what about you? You have the same commission as Jesus. You're from the same place as Jesus. Remember years ago, Superman 3, there were, there were these villains that came. They were from the same place as Superman. Right? We are from the same place as Jesus. With the same commission. We are a heavenly people. We are a heavenly people. To go into all the world to demonstrate the kingdom of God. To show them the way to give them the Holy Spirit also. And to see this, this world changed. We're a heavenly people. So what does Pentecost mean? Like we're number one, we're a heavenly people. We also have heaven. We, we have a heavenly power. This is kind of a continuation. All right, we're, we have the same. Uh, we have the same mandate. Um, verse twenty-two says, "He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained." We have a heavenly power. Jesus was was filled with the Holy Spirit. So remember Jesus when um, when when Mary became pregnant with Jesus. It said the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Jesus was was um, he, he was a the perfect God man combination. Right as as I said before, you are not ever going to be God man or God woman. Okay, 
Jesus was combination 100% God and 100% man. But, but he was filled by the Holy Spirit. And what he wanted to make sure is that we, because we are a heavenly people, that we are also filled by the Holy Spirit in the same way that he was. Remember, Jesus was baptized, saw the Holy, the Holy Spirit came down and rested on him as a dove, right? It was immediately that the Holy Spirit then uh, sent him into the wilderness to be tempted. And when he came out of the wilderness, it says he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus did when he was here on the earth. He's not a different Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't have the Holy Spirit of power and we have the Holy Spirit of not so much power. Right? Jesus didn't have the Holy Spirit of the first century and we have the Holy Spirit of the 21st century. Jesus didn't have the Holy Spirit that did all kinds of miraculous stuff and we have a different Holy Spirit that doesn't know what that means anymore. We have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. The same power that he had running through him, the same power that, that um, gave power out of his voice, out of his hands, the same power that called Lazarus out of the tomb, the same power that the disciples, that when they had um, handkerchiefs and stuff, they, they, I could see them. All right, pray over the handkerchief. My sweat's in the way, I'm going to send it out. You need to put the car away, put it back. And people got healed and, and saved and delivered just because a, a handkerchief was laid upon them. Where the, their shadow was even anointed. Can you imagine walking down the street and your shadow was healing people as, as you walk by? It's the same Holy Spirit that you have, that we have. Jesus had received that Holy Spirit. It says, "If you, um, this is a this is a really interesting verse, verse twenty three. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain to retain the sins of any, they have been retained." Uh, just a little bit of a theological, theologically tricky verse. There's two different things I want to, I want to point out. Number one, I believe that that. Uh, Part of the, uh, this is remember this is the eleven this is the ten um, here because uh, Judas was no longer with them Thomas was not there at this point uh, which something I think is really cool I'll, I'll tell you about I'll tell you in just a second um, but if you I believe on the the leadership especially in the church God allows pastors and others to, to actually pronounce forgiveness of sin. Now, I've not died for anybody's sin. I'm not going to die for anybody's sin. It doesn't work that way, okay? But what what I can do as a, as a pastor, when, when I see someone who has um, repented of their sin, I can reassure them that they are forgiven. They are forgiven because I know my Jesus forgives sin. And that reassurance, I can reassure that. Now, 
I don't want to retain anybody's opinion. Okay, it's as if that's something I don't want. I haven't. That's that's something I haven't explored, but I know that the Lord that's that's in there. Now, how does that work for all of us? This is Steve was saying a few a few minutes ago. He said, "I love to look out here, knowing that everyone in here has made the choice. You've made the choice to follow after Jesus." As, as you mentioned, you know, he said, "I, I want to give my presence out to you. I don't have to beg him for his presence. That's something he's, I'm always. I'm going to be with you, right? Now, not everybody makes the choice. Not everybody made the choice of Jesus." Jesus presented the gospel to thousands of people. And at the, at, when he died, there were 120 that really were sold out. Some of them chose to retain their sins. Jesus offered and said, I'm going to the cross to forgive you of your sins. You can either give your sins to me or you can hold on to them. For those who have followed after him, you've said, I don't want these sins anymore. I'm going to give them to you. You can nail them on that cross. You can leave them there, and you can let them go to hell where they belong. Okay? But for others, people said, no, thank you. I will, like to, I will just hang on to my sins just fine. Thank you very much. When we give the gospel out, people have to make a choice. They can either let their sins go which I hope and pray that they do because when you retain your sin, it's not very good for you in many, many ways, either in this life or in the afterlife. Or, but many people don't make the choice. They let their sins go and they stay lost in their sins. How can it go into the mic? Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit. To have a heavenly power. A heavenly power to do the exact same things that Jesus did. To preach as Jesus did. To have that boldness. Just like the, like the apostles did, the 120 on the day of Pentecost, to go from a locked door to being out in front of everybody. A boldness to speak out the truth. He gave us the Holy Spirit to present the gospel to demonstrate the gospel and to give people that choice of whether they are going to retain their sins or whether they're going to give their sins to Jesus and be forgiven and to walk with him. He's given us the Holy Spirit to have that power to present the kingdom of God to a lost world. What does the Pentecost mean for us? We're heavenly people. We also have a heavenly power. Oh, I mentioned I was trying to. Let me give a little theological fun thing. I I, I like I don't know about you. I like I find these little things in scripture. And I go, wow, wow, that isn't that cool. Some of you go, I don't really care. <laughs> I find them cool. Um, remember when um, when Moses, uh, God took the spirit of that was on Moses and, and divided into the 70, right? And there were, there were 
two that were not there, right? There were two apostles that weren't there. Thomas wasn't there, and neither was Matthias, who hadn't been chosen yet. That's kind of cool. Jesus went ahead and said, I you know, um, received the Holy Spirit, and then later, they did. All of them received on the day of Pentecost. Anyway, um, so a heavenly, uh, excuse me, we're heavenly people. He's, been given, he's given us a heavenly power, and he's given us a heavenly purpose. Heavenly purpose. Verse 30, I read this earlier. Therefore, many other signs Jesus performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Are the signs, the signs are given according to John, right? The book of John and all the signs that, that John records in his in his gospel, are there so that people will believe in Jesus. Now, let me just let me just toss this out. Doctors are great people. Ruth, Ruth's best friend, the friend that we've had for since college, is a is an incredible pediatrician. Great, great, great doctor. I remember several years ago, she was at a conference in Pennsylvania, and she even said, hey, would you bring Kaylin over? Um, I want to use her for a demonstration <laughs> at this doctor's conference, right? So doctors, they get together for, at, at conferences, and what they did with, what she did with Kaylin is she was giving a demonstration. This is how you do, um, she's, she's a, um, a DO, so she does um, osteopathic uh, manipulations. It's kind of like um, uh, a chiropractor type thing. You know, but she's also got all the medical knowledge as well. So she's, she's like using cans. And this is what you do for to manipulate and to work on people's bodies, even the little kids and whatnot, right? So in doctors, so they get together at, at conferences and they do training and they talk about being doctors and they they, they talk about the um, the new uh, diseases or, and the, or the new medicines or, or this is how you do this. But what if doctors... What if all they did was stay in their little doctor conferences and doctor groups and huddles? And that's all they did. They, they got together as doctors and just stayed there. And then one of them would get sick and they'd practice it on each other, right? Oh, you've got X, Y, and Z. Let's try this new medicine. Oh, you've got, you've got a broken X, what, X Y, and Z. Let, let, here, I will show you how to put the, the bones together. And all they did was they got together in their doctor groups. Where would the hospitals be? <laughs> Where would we be? If the doctors never got out of their doctor huddles and actually hung out a sign and said, I'm open for those who are sick to come and see me. God wants us to be well. God wants us to be healthy and whole in every way, in a spirit, soul, and body. He wants to be a, a provider for us. He wants to give. He loves us so much. He wants us to give us so awesome, wonderful, good gifts. 
But I wonder if sometimes we don't see the signs and wonders that we're hoping to see because all we're doing is practicing around each other. And all that's good. I'm not knocking that at all. We should be. We should be practicing here. We should. This should be a hospital where people are open to come in and say, look, you know what, I, bring us bring us your sick, bring us your your addiction, your addictions, bring us those who, who need Jesus the most and let them come in the door. And we're, we're a hospital for those people to come in and for us to, to give the gospel and give the hopes and give the, uh, the provision, everything that, that Jesus has in him, bring him in here. But if we're just practicing on each other, I wonder if we would see more miracles if we actually practiced them and demonstrated them to the people who don't know rather than the people who already know. You see, I love you guys. I don't want anybody in here to close their eyes on this side of life and open their eyes on the other side of life. But if that happens, I know where you're going to be. And that's a good thing. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> but if it does, and when it does, you're going to be in a great, wonderful, awesome place. For those who have not made the right choice, it's not going to be so good. In fact, it's going to be downright bad. Right? What if we were to practice the signs and wonders with those who really don't know. And I'm telling you, we need to realize that we're the heavenly people and have the heavenly power because it's hard. And I'm going to be honest, I, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to see somebody out here who's not well and take the step of boldness to say, I'm going to go give them the healing that I know that God can do. Because you automatically go, well, if he does it, I'm going to look really dumb. I will look like a fool. But then we don't give God a chance, do we? Well, if I go to someone who is obviously an addict or obviously needs a, a spiritual um, deliverance, and I, I, I know that they do, and I go up and I say, you're cleansed. You cast the demon out. What if it doesn't happen? And you automatically, you got that fear factor that says, I'm going to look like a fool. But at the same time, we're not giving God a chance to look great. We're not giving God a chance to do what he said he's going to do. What if we take this commission, this call that he's given to each one of us, and we practice it on those who don't know him at all? I'm telling you, for me, it, it, that's, that's, that's a hard thing to do. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy. But what I want to do today is to can we boldly 
ask the Lord for some opportunities for that? That in His grace, not only will it give us some opportunities, but give us some easy ones to start with. <laughs> ones that are like right in front of us, that we that we that in that He'll kind of push us into and say, "Here, check this one out. Do it right here, so that we can gain and and increase our boldness and increase our faith." It's still going to take boldness. It's still going to take faith. It's still going to take stepping out on that limb. But I'm willing to step out. I want to step out. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I've got it put together. I'm not saying I'm going to, I, that, for, that, hey, watch this. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to start preaching the gospel on a street corner. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy for me. And I'm not expecting that it's going to be easy for any one of you. We're all in this together. But can we ask the Lord to give us some opportunities? The boldness to actually open our mouths and that He will supply the power that's needed so that we can see the signs and wonders happen and that these these people, these these the ones that Jesus died for, that they will actually have a really, really legitimate chance to either say yes or to say no. So many of them don't right now, have, they don't even have a chance. They're dying and going to hell without even a chance. But we can at least give them that offer. these signs this book was written with all the signs of Jesus so that people will see and know and believe we're a heavenly people given the same commission the same power with the signs and wonders that Jesus did Let's take them to the lost and meet it to desolate. Let's pray together. Father, I'll I'll say first of all, Lord, it's hard. It's hard for me. Lord, I know there's been many times in my life that I have not given the gospel, or I've not prayed for someone who I know needs it. I've seen someone who's sick and I didn't go up and, and give them your healing. Or I've seen someone who uh, needs deliverance and I've not given that to them. Lord, forgive me where I've fallen short. Lord, I'm asking today, though, that you will provide us opportunities. For all those who say, yes, yes, me, Lord, that's me. Lord, I've got my hand raised. I'm, I'm number one here. Provide me, provide us some opportunities. And Lord, 
We know that you're full of grace and full of mercy. Lord, would you give us some that are some easy pickings? Some low-hanging fruit, some people that you just, they're, they're ready. They are ready to be healed. They're ready to hear the gospel. They're ready to be delivered. They're ready to, uh, they're, they're ready to grasp on to you. Give us some easy ones to build our faith and to build our boldness. Empower us fully by your spirit so that we'll be bold in order to do those things that you have told us to do. Lord, we, there are so many people right outside the door that need your kingdom, need it desperately. They need forgiveness. They need to be delivered. They need, they need so much in this life and so much for their eternal salvation. We've got it. We already know what that is. Lord, give us opportunity to share and pray that you'll bring hundreds and hundreds and hundreds to know. We know it's their choice, Lord, but we've got to be able to share. Help us, Lord. Lord, I bless each person here and their family. Lord, as, even as you said in your word, even as I have been sent, I send you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let each person here who wants it, let them receive it right now. Receive the gift of the Spirit. Receive the anointing. Receive everything that comes with receiving the infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. I pray for their protection. I pray for their strength. I pray for their um, Lord, for their forgiveness. Lord, I pray for their healing. I pray for their deliverance. Let it come even right now as I'm speaking. Lord, grant us your grace to carry on. In Jesus' name. bless you guys. It's always so good to gather together. Um, and 